Hello everyone and welcome to the third episode of the BMS Performance Podcast called the Recruitment Roundup, which I hope everyone is is now becoming familiar with. Again, just a very brief introduction to BMS for those that are finding out about us for the first time. We're a leading specialist sales and marketing recruitment consultancy established for um, over 30 years, specializing in these areas. Um, I'm Mike Leather. I've been at BMS for 10 years and I have the privilege and pleasure of leading the largest sales team in the company of which my colleague and guest Dean Richards today is part of so I'm delighted to have you along Dean welcome to the show cheers Mike nice to be here all good all good so why don't you kick off Dean by giving the audience a brief overview of yourself you know what you do at BMS and I'm asking this for everyone that comes on now, how you got into recruitment in the first place. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, well, yeah, my name's Dean Richards. I'm a national account manager within a healthcare team. So I work with clients in the medical devices and life science sectors to help them recruit customer-facing roles at all levels, not just sales positions, but also we see a lot of like clinical trainer, nurse advisor, application specialist positions because the products my company sell are quite technical. They often need specialist people to help train the customers on proper usage. So those kind of roles. I've been with BMS for 15 years now, just passed. Passed that milestone in February. Gratefully received some much needed golf lessons to <laughs> celebrate that milestone. So I'll be kicking on with those soon. Um, and yeah, I started with BMS back in early 2008 as a very much bright eyed and quite green recent graduate not really knowing what I wanted to do with my life, in all honesty. Saw an advert, applied, like a lot of people, I suppose, at that stage of career, not really knowing what recruitment was all about. But met with the company, really enjoyed meeting with the people. Um, It seemed a very sort of dynamic set of individuals. And, yeah, delighted to say I've been here 15 years now and celebrated a good career and success over that time. Never looked back. Absolutely. Um, very much looking forward. Good stuff. Thanks for the intro, Dean. So the subject that we decided to talk about today is 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 a really meaty one, which is the the importance of the candidate experience, which is a, is is a large term in itself. But Dean, why did we um, decide to um, pick on this subject in particular right now? Well, I think looking at a recruitment process from a candidate's point of view, from a client's mind, is is super important at the moment. Because of what we've been experiencing as we came out of COVID, we're in probably the most candidate-driven market that I've ever worked in, in 15 years, which is saying, saying something. something. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what we mean by candidate-driven market is there are more jobs than good people out there, yeah. essentially. So the applicant market is very reactive. There aren't huge numbers of great caliber people proactively applying for roles online so it's getting hard to find them you've got to be very proactive with sourcing these people when you do find good people there is going to be competition for them because the jobs outweigh the number of good candidates as simple as that it's a very very competitive candidate market at the moment so this is why the candidate experience is so important because interviews they should always be a two-way process They've obviously, yeah. you know, candidates have got to impress the client in the interview panel, but also you've got to impress the candidate, giving them the best impression of why your job, why your company is the better place to work over the other companies that they're interviewing with. Yeah, I love that term. You've got to impress the candidate. You know, and this this is a this is a great um, place to start, I think. And I guess as a way of kicking off as well, the term 
candidate experience that get banded around a lot and it is a bit of a buzzword as well mm-hmm. in recruitment you could say if you were to, if if i was to ask you to define the term candidate experience how would you define it it's i think it's everything that the candidate learns about your company and yourself yeah. as a hiring manager and that's not just okay the products it's selling the kind of customer base it's the company culture how you, the company and the interviewer conducts themselves for the process will be an indication of what they like to work for yeah so, so for example is it a very slow recruitment process with four five six different stages that might point to a more bureaucratic type of business where decisions get made very slowly or have to go through various levels of sign off which can be quite frustrating for certain people some people might love working in those kind of big corporate yeah, environments yeah. for a lot they want to get things moving quicker as i said this is the company's opportunity really to demonstrate and give them examples of this is how we are this is how we work this is why you should trust us with your career moving forward yeah 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 Great overview. Okay, well, let's let's break down the candidate experience then. Where in your mind does it begin? Because people have different opinions on this, and we can only talk from from our experience of of working with clients across a huge a variety of industry sectors and and experiencing it ourselves. But where where does it start? Where does the candidate experience actually begin? Yeah, it's easy to think that the experience only starts from the first point of communication where you're on a phone call or sat down on a Teams meeting or face-to-face with the person. Really, it starts sooner than that, from the moment the person starts to apply for the positions. So let's look at two main methods of recruitment through an agency and also want to touch on direct sourcing as well, because that's an important yeah, yeah. Uh, aspect, I think, to cover off. So if you're going down the agency route, how well briefed is that agency? Do they know your company well enough to represent you as best as possible to the candidates that they've targeted for you mm. and making sure they get across your ethos, your brand, and again, impress them. Are you working in close partnership with them or is that the fourth, fifth, sixth call that person's received that day about the same job, which yeah, does put people off sometimes? Yeah. So there's that element as well, that very first impression of the company. If you're looking at a direct sourcing method, often through advertising, Look at the adverts. How clear and concise is that advert? Is it maybe too specific in terms of the kind of person you're looking for? So you'll narrow down the talent pool available to you, or is it you know described as wide enough to really pull in the kind of a wider talent market? Look at people from maybe outside of your selected sector and making it as applicable as possible. Things like you know the salary being on there as well is a huge point. Some companies don't like putting it on there, but I think it's super important to have that on from the start so candidates know that this is within the range that they're looking for firstly so you're not going to waste time and also attract people you know if you're paying a great ote and and there's loads of brilliant benefits that you provide get those on there these are big big selling points for the job and company beyond the advert looking at things like glassdoor reviews you know we speak Mm. to a lot of candidates about companies then look at glassdoor and if they see negative things on there it will put them off so being mindful of what your reputation is or you know, the, the brand in the market that ex- exists already. Yeah. What could potential candidates see before you sit down and discuss with them and you know, sell yourself to them? There could be other things prior to that that may be giving them concerns or even put somebody off a pine in the first place, which could lead at 
on you know you missing out on that great candidate yeah so i want to sit in this bit um in in this particular part of direct sourcing for a second and i want to circle back to the relationships with recruitment partners and how the candidate experience can be formed by working effectively with them before the role even goes to market but think about the direct piece it's interesting that you say that about Glassdoor because one of one, one of your colleagues in our team today had a candidate pull out of an interview and um, they've been with the current company for 10 years it's quite a niche role specific background the candidate looked on Glassdoor and seeing loads of bad reviews a lot of the reviews actually weren't from salespeople. Mm. they were from other um, types of people in the company that were doing different types of jobs but it's a classic example where the how the, the client is portrayed online has resulted in a poor candidate experience like straight from straight from the off. We we made the company aware of that um because we've got a duty of care um to do so. But it's a good example and I think as well, you know, if I were, if I was a candidate and I was on the market, I'd be definitely looking LinkedIn page is it up today? They've got all the information on there. They're presenting that they've got a good culture, and you you may you may agree on this as well. I'll be thinking about how personalised does the experience feel? Like, do I feel as though I'm just a number? Am I going on to careers website? I've then got to set up a large profile, which might take me 10, 15 minutes in order to do so. Put my CV on there, and then send off my application. I don't hear for a couple of weeks. Now, some companies are set up like that but for some candidates can be off-putting so i guess advice for, for companies out there that are hiring if there's anything you can do to streamline that application process and it will definitely help it does support um the candidate experience and and i guess as well what what's your take on adverts you know in terms of how they're written because sometimes you get an advert that is advertising for the ideal candidate rather than advertising for the the best overall volume of candidates from Mm. from the talent pool and sometimes how adverts can be written there's not as much emphasis on the actual company and the culture piece as what there might be definitely yeah Uh, just like a candidate cv is their first opportunity to sell themselves to a company the advert it could be seen in the same way as the opportunity to sell the job and the company to the candidate market at one point you mentioned there about the advert detail and the ideal candidate yeah, great. You obviously you're always going to aim and try to get the ideal, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the best person or the, the candidate um, company ends up recruiting matches that ideal and ticks every single box. It's probably quite rare, to be honest. You know, in my market, for example, all I do is in medical devices. So the preference would be somebody from that background. But I've placed countless people from outside the market, either non-medical sales or maybe pharmaceutical sales people. And if that isn't detailed on the advert that the company would also consider people like that, they're missing out on a huge number of candidates. And there could be that mm-hmm. one star in there who's the best person for the role. But you yeah. might have missed them because it's not on the advert. But yeah, straight straight away, their experience as a candidate is, I'm not right for this. Mm. This company don't take people on with my background. And they're missing out on a huge portion of the talent pool. Yeah, to circle back in terms of um, the relationships companies can have with recruitment partners, let's talk about that. If you look at the companies that you work with and think about the ones that do invest the time 
with you to make sure you're properly briefed how how does that work like what are the good companies that you're working with doing different which is enabling you to deliver a good candidate experience to candidates um that you're putting forward to them versus maybe other ones that aren't that are, you know converse to that yeah i think that obviously as recruiters we want to work in real partnership with the clients you know understanding what their challenges are in the market us finding creative solutions to them maybe coming to them with new ideas examples of what other clients have done to help fill vacancies i think again it, it all circles back to having that candidate experience in a client's mind thinking right okay if i'm a candidate and bms approached me for this job what information am i going to need from them to say yes this is the kind of thing i want to apply for put me forward and let's get things moving i think it's also about appreciating that we represent our clients to the candidate market you know what we say will help influence people's decisions on whether or not to apply for the job we can be a real ambassador for our clients and i you know and all my clients i talk about everybody in very positive terms um and really give yeah, the candidates everything that's great about my clients that i work with whether that's culture career prospects training all the great selling points and it's understanding that you know we can do that for you and help clients improve their brand in the market rather than just maybe being seen as quite a transactional cv supplier which is not really giving you a service and not working with a candidate market in ways that is important to whilst things are so sort of heavily candidate driven yeah definitely i think um some companies exist in um markets that are harder to place in than others and if time is invested in the recruitment partnership then we can absolutely enhance that candidate experience to effectively put a stronger wider shortlist in front of people that brings me on beautifully to the next point that that was keen to discuss with you what are the other key factors in your mind then that contribute to the candidate experience? So we've already discussed the kind of start of the process. Yeah. And then once we get into the meat and bones of hiring, you know, the interview process, basically. Yeah. Looking at making your process as efficient and time effective as possible. Okay. As I said earlier, the interviews and recruitment process have got to be 50-50. You need to see what the candidate brings to the table and challenge them. In a certain way, there's no point having an easy interview process because you're never going to really figure out who's the best person for the role and how they're going to face up to the challenges they'll come across in that position. So it's got to be appropriate. Yeah, the, the challenges, the tasks, etc., have got to be suitable for the kind of person you're looking to hire and in line with what they'll be doing in the role. For example, mm-hmm. if they never do presentations in the job, is there any benefit in getting them to a presentation at the final stage? Mm-hmm. It's tried and tested. It's traditional. But are you actually going to learn how they can do the job? Yeah. Similarly, if you're looking for like a graduate trainee, is there any worth in getting them to do like a 12-month business plan? It won't be anything they've done before. If you need to do a presentation, maybe get them to do something that they're passionate about so they can, you, know, you can see how they deliver a presentation, how confidently and articulately they can get mm-hmm. across their ideas, things like that. So just making the recruitment process appropriate for the yeah. role and the kind of person you're looking for and streamlining it. So you, you've not got five, six, seven stages asking them to, you know, take a day off work to go and travel 150 miles for a first interview that we used to see all the time mm. pre-COVID. You we know, still see now the odd time as well. Yeah. Odd, yeah. But candidates, they didn't like doing it previously, but they kind of had to because it was the norm. And in certain cases, if a candidate quite justifiably said, look, I can't, do that the mindset was often well don't they want the job 
Like, well, yeah, they don't really know enough about the job to make that call so far because they've not met with you and yeah. really got that insight. These days, obviously, with Teams Everything, things, you know, that's avoided in most cases. But I think the point is just making it not easy for the candidate, but bear in mind that they will be other companies interested in them offer them interviews around flexibility um, and with more of a, a fast process. You know, the last thing you want to do is find a candidate who you're super keen on. You think this person's brilliant. They're going to get the job. But then you're beaten to the punch by another company because you've not been able to arrange the final interview within a re- you know, realistic time frame of you know a week or so after that first meeting. Fundamentally, in that situation, you've lost a candidate because the candidate experience was better with the other company. So it all comes back to the candidate experience, doesn't yeah. it? And I think of late, we've worked with companies who are embarking on the first sales recruit. We've worked with sales managers that this is, they've recently been promoted. This is their first recruit as well. I reckon for the audience and especially individuals in that situation who are looking for guidance to to to, to refine maybe their interview process and, and make it candidate friendly. Let's let's all play out a scenario. So Dean, so if I'm I'm a client, um I've come to you, I'm new to recruiting, um, got a new vacancy, and I'm asking you um, you know, for advice on creating an interview process that um, delivers a great candidate experience. Like, what would you advise me? Firstly, I'd be delighted you've got that idea in mind to think, right, okay, I need to yeah. set in a process here because that's the perfect thing to do. Yeah. Before you sit down with people, know what you want to get out of that recruitment process and have set timeframes in place. So you know you can manage the candidate expectations, say, okay, this is first stage, this is second stage, these are the dates we're looking to do those. If they need to move for whatever reason, then communicate that, you know, explain the reason for the delay or something like this. Straightforward communication is so important. But then once you've set that plan in mind, I think the best way of doing it is the traditional first stage, second stage, make a job offer. When things start going beyond three, four, five stages, psychometric testing, you know, this kind of thing, you, people can lose interest because the process yeah. is going on too long. And as we've said, other companies will come in and snatch those candidates off with a nice, straightforward two-stage process. You know, the tasks you get people to do, you've got to challenge them, make sure they're capable of the job, but be appropriate, as you said. But also, yeah, this is super important. As I said, you've got to get the balance right, that 50-50 mentality of what's you know what's the kind of getting from this yeah this is your opportunity to sell the role to people tell them why it's a great place to work the company culture all the benefits essentially treat them as a customer and ask them what they're looking for what's the most important thing for that candidate is it training is it long-term career progression is it just earning a load of bonus yeah yeah, yeah. you've got yeah. to find that out so then you can sell those points back to the candidates it's showing that interest again isn't it in in the candidate and putting yourself on a level with the candidate so it's as much about the candidate yes performing well selling himself as a fit for the role as it is you selling yourself to the candidate um because that is going to again generate a better candidate experience the, the candidate experience is great they're going to have credibility in you as a future employer that you can provide them the career progression and earning potential that we're looking for. You mentioned then two-stage interview process. How long 
between first and second stage is too long. I'd say any more than a week and you risk losing the candidate. Yeah. Keep it within that time frame as much as possible. Certainly. Yeah. Ideally, a little less. We know plenty of companies who interview first stage on a Monday or Tuesday and do finals later in the week, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. And this brings us on again on onto the onto the next next point and something that I was particularly keen on discussing. I think this is the along with an elongated interview process, this is the other subject that can be detrimental to the candidate experience, which is feedback. Feedback's a massive subject and I'm keen to get your thoughts on you know, how important overall is you know effective feedback to the candidate experience. Massively important, probably one of the most important aspects of recruiting, mm. I'd say, both for candidates who are successful in going through the process and getting a job offer at the end, and also for the ones who aren't successful, which, it, you know, obviously by law of averages is probably most of the candidates you interview. Mm. Um, a variety of reasons for this. For us as recruiters, it's so important to know what you like about the candidates and also what's not been quite right about them and it helps us really focus that search for future hires um you know when we're working with you really just understanding yeah from your point of view what exactly works and what doesn't work when you meet people from the candidates obviously as well people like to know that they're liked simple as that so if you're keen on somebody then you don't necessarily need to tell them and say, you know, you, you're going to commit to a second interview there and then at the end of the first meeting, but give them the kind of a warm feeling, let them know that they've done well in a way. So mm. many times I'll take feedback from a candidate and the first impression is, yeah, you know, I'm not really sure what they think. They didn't give much away. And then I'll get the client feedback and they'll say, oh yeah, they were brilliant. Really, really good. Okay. But they don't, they've not got that sense from you. So yeah. Just show it, basically. It's as simple as that, really. You don't need to show your hand too much, but let them know they've done well. Simple as that. And they'll feel much, much um, sort of closer to yourselves over these other companies they might be interviewing with. What, um, what in your mind, when we say effective feedback um, to the audience, what, what that breaks down to is it's comprehensive feedback, not this person. Now, unfortunately, I ever know they weren't the right fit. And that's pretty yeah. limited. Like, how much feedback is too much? What should clients, hiring managers be including in feedback for both candidates who are going to be progressed and ones that um, aren't going to be progressed? It could be a multiple. I mean, we could probably do a whole podcast just on mm. feedback. To be honest, this could be a good yeah. topic in future. But just succinctly, you, I think it's important to look at the interview technique. Yeah. So, for example, is somebody talking too much, which is a common one we see for salespeople? Um, are the detailed not an- sorry? The answers not detailed enough. Mm. Are they sticking to a structure? Are they asking good questions? They're all general interview technique feedback, which is really important because that constructive criticism will help them if they do go forward to that next stage. They know what to improve on. Or just yeah, common courtesy and helping out another individual for future interviews. If they're not successful with yours, these are the kind of things that you can work on to make sure you, you know, get the next job you go for. Yeah. Really nice thing to do, and people come away appreciating that feedback. Even if they're unsuccessful, they'll take that on board. They, you know, they'll have a more positive feeling about the company because you've given them something to take away from it when they've not been Absolutely. successful for your position, which is great. You, know, you want even the unsuccessful people, well, especially because, like I said, they're going to be more unsuccessful than there are successful. So there'll be more candidates out there in the market 
who've been you know, unsuccessful with yourselves, but you want them to have positive feelings about the company because when they speak to colleagues, friends, peers Absolutely. in the market, yeah. and they say, oh, you know, have you interviewed with this company before? Have you ever come across them? And they say, yeah, I did actually. I didn't get any feedback from, you know, mm. interviews. I drove 200 miles down the country for a second interview. I didn't get it and nobody told me why. That's going to put other people off just through word of mouth. Word of mouth is so important. Yeah just in everywhere but recruitment especially yeah whereas on the flip side of that if they say yeah really nice people i didn't get the job unfortunately but they were great um you know really lovely set of people met you know people there in the office company sounds good brilliant yeah you know that's going to spread the word out in the market that you're a good decent set of people basically yeah if if we look at um at the companies with a really strong know em- employer value propositions that have got great reputations they're all good at giving feedback in a timely manner and even as well after a second or a third stage interview if it's been a longer process there have been instances where the hiring managers actually called candidates in themselves to say look you haven't been successful whilst it can be a difficult call to make candidates do really appreciate that and mm. we discussed at the very beginning of this podcast about how candidate driven the market has been and how it still is and if you're in a niche industry set so like medical devices like maybe one of the more technical sectors or finance whatever it might be then the circles are small mm. and people talk so it is important from a from a reputation perspective that the feedback is comprehensive constructive um, and it's timely and, and i think that's one of the biggest bugbears of candidates isn't it when they're chasing us for feedback we've not had feedback or they've not had it themselves from a direct interview it is probably the number one reason in my experience why um, that a candidate experience can turn negative mm. i think definitely yeah we used to see a lot of bad reviews online about lack of feedback and mm. um you know being a, being asked to you know go through so many different stages and get nothing back at the end of it they know they're not going to get every single job they go for but just coming away with a positive feeling about that company despite just- that as an aside point to this as well, because it goes back to the previous point we discussed about interview process. If companies really want to dial down to make sure their interview process is is effective and is and they're getting everything that they need out of it, then one question they can be asking to candidates if they're giving feedback or even if they're talking to the recruitment partners is asking candidates how was the interview process can we have feedback from you as a candidate on how you found our process whether or not they were a yes or a no that information could be extremely valuable to the company so that they can refine it and they can continue to improve the candidate experience which is fundamentally gonna enable them to recruit better in the medium to long term cool. absolutely yes yeah. yeah, definitely so we, we, we're going through the process here and we're kind of getting to that point now. So we've gone from before the, the, the candidate experience starts, when we've talked about interviewing timescales, we're then talking about feedback. So assuming it's all been positive, we're at, the, we're at the offer process. So, you know, Dean, I've selected my candidate. I'm ready to make the offer. What what should I be mindful of not at this vital stage of the process to ensure that the candidate experience doesn't turn sour at the offer stage at the offer stage so i've made the offer now yeah um so the candidate and we see this don't we this is where it can fall down 
for a multitude of reasons. So for I thought it'd be useful for us to talk about that so the audience to get some of our insights on that. So you know, what do I need to be doing if I'm a if I'm a hiring manager decision maker to so make sure that the candidate experience doesn't turn doesn't go south at this yeah, point. Of course. Well this is you come into the crucial part of the hiring process now. So yeah. it's vital to get everything right. Obviously if you're making an offer, you need to know what that offer is going to need to look like for the person to be happy, accept part of other interviews and take themselves off the market to commit mm-hmm. with yourselves. So this could come through a close relationship with the recruiter. What's yeah. this person looking for? What do we need to pay them? Um, you know, what added benefits are they looking for? Do we need to be flexible on company car or car allowance? All these little nuances that come with the package. It's not always just about the basic salary. And so OTA. making the right offer. Making, yes, making the right absolutely. offer. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, a good way of doing it is you have to bring this up in the interviews. You know, what are you looking for? What's yeah. your salary expectations? What are you on at the moment? What would you like to earn? These kind of questions, you know, what added benefits do you get at the moment? The fact find. What else do we need to be aware of? Getting the offer out in a timely way. You, mm. you can make a verbal offer, get verbal acceptance there and then on the conversation, ideally. But then if you've got to go through laser sign off to get a written contract out, which could take a week, two weeks in some cases. Yeah, I've seen it before with clients. Yeah. In the meantime, kind of gets a call from another company who interviewing the day after, they could easily go through an entire two-stage recruitment process in that week between making the verbal offer and yeah. getting the written offer. Yeah. So making sure that your own internal processes are efficient, so that's done as quickly as possible, you know, any more than a day to get a written offer out to them is probably too long. Totally. And until a contract is signed, it's, it can still be quite away from being done. So just because we've got an offer out doesn't mean it's done. It's 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 not even two thirds of, of of the way there. So yeah, good point. What other tips could you give the audience of what they could do at this stage to make that candidate experience, you know, continue to well, keep it positive? Yeah. Well, by that point, if you've had verbal acceptance on the offer, you know the candidate's keen. Yeah. You'll have built up a certain rapport with them. Often we see. An offer going out and then the candidate hearing nothing until a week before they're due to start and they get an yeah. induction plan come through don't really see why you wouldn't continue with the rapport you've built up you know once they've once you've made an offer i accepted it or the candidate congratulate them let them know you're yeah. really excited about getting them on board simple things like that the, the personal touch yeah. really really helps definitely you know you could even arrange like a conversation or a coffee meeting teams meeting whatever with another member of the team get people yeah. that they'll be working with um to get in touch welcome them yeah you know, let them know that they're to support if they need anything in the early days really yeah emphasize a double down on that company culture the nice supportive environment they're going to be moving into great you know they're then much much less likely to have their head turned if yeah another company or recruiter calls in touch with you know a job and sells them the dreams so, like no i've committed to that i know i, I want know. a great thing and, and and don't get us wrong as well a lot of candidates once they've verbally accepted an offer they will go to that but there are situations oh, yeah. where they do get the head turn like you're saying i think if a candidate has been so bought into a company hiring managers throughout the process and they've got a great feeling it's been quick the feedback's been um constructive it's been a challenging interview process but it's also been a learning experience then 
you know, they're right back, they accept the offer, and then nothing for a week, paperwork doesn't go out. And then there's they sign the paperwork when it does go out, but they don't start for four weeks, and there's no, co- no contact in between. Their impression of that company can definitely start to sour somewhat, because well, it was great up until this point, but now I've accepted an offer, I've not heard from them. Yeah. So do I, do I still want to join? And going back to what, what we said, with it being such a candidate-driven market, it's these smaller points you could call them, or tips at the end of a process that can be the difference. It's these marginal gains that companies can be can be making um, by just checkpoints, mm-hmm. making sure the offer's going out quickly. Cool. The best thing about them as well, they require no effort to just yeah, call exactly. the candidate and have a three-minute conversation exactly. to congratulate them, welcome to the team. You know, it's minimal, but it makes such a huge difference. Yeah, it is because as well, I think um, sometimes it does get forgotten that for a candidate going through an interview process can be one of the most nerve-wracking things that they may have to do. And um, they're putting themselves, they're putting themselves out there. So everything we're talking about here, developing the candidate experience, touch points at the end of the process, it's helpful for them. It gives that warm, fuzzy feeling. They're excited to join you, or even if they haven't been successful, successful, they had a great experience um, with your company. Um, they may go away and do another job for a couple of years, and then come back to you when they've when they've got extra experience. So you know the the, the benefits are compound. So to round off, Dean, then I guess it would be great to finish off with you giving our audience your two top tips on what some of the top line benefits can be in prioritizing a good candidate experience well firstly having a clear concise efficient quick interview process that really hones in on what the candidates need so you can effectively tailor your sales pitch of the job the company to them is going to help you get that best person on board and influence their decision to take your job over the two, three, four of the companies that they're interviewing with at the moment. Another positive aspect of the candidate experience is just the message that's out there in the wider candidate market. You know, within the industry I work in medical devices, it's quite niche. People talk to each other. I know certain companies, unfortunately, have got bad reputations because people have had negative experiences about a hiring process before. They've told mm. friends about them when they've asked, okay, do you know this company? Um, and it's put people off from applying. It can make yeah. things really difficult and detrimental to future hiring processes, if that word's out there. The great thing is you can influence that by giving yeah. everybody positive experience using some of the tips we've discussed about feedback constructive it's as simple as that so there's only benefits that come from a good candidate experience whether people are successful or unsuccessful and that's a great line to finish on so thank you for um joining me today dean really enjoyed having you on and, and all the knowledge that you've shared thanks mike been a pleasure Great. So um, next week's um, episode, I'll be joined by my colleague Fiona Jensen. Um, we're going to be talking about a, a topic that's that's really on point, I would say, at the moment, which is going to be the impact of artificial intelligence on marketing, recruitment, and um, AI is obviously a, a, a trendy subject at the moment. So looking forward to getting stuck into that one. So thank you everyone for listening to us today. Um, as we, you know, we're really trying to to grow this podcast. So please, 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 can people give us a review, a follow, a rating? Um, it would be much, much appreciated. And um, yeah, we'll see you all again next week. Thank you.